discussing Ashes of Prospero by Gav Thor. I'm Jen Bozier. And I'm Carrie Honey. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read from a crag. Every episode, we discuss the book we've selected from the, War- from the Black Library's Warhammer 40,000 catalog. We post it on our, the book on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, along with questions to ponder during reading. Listeners are able to read the book and then tune in to hear our discussion. We encourage participation through Twitter, the site, or Encrypted Box channel. Spoiler warning. If you haven't read the book yet, go ahead and visit the site, check out the book and the questions, and then come back to this post as we'll be discussing the book in great detail from start to finish. As mentioned, this episode, we're discussing Ashes of Prospero by Gav Thorpe. The book is about a, I guess, a suicide squad, sort of, of space wolves who return to Prospero at the behest of a Thousand Suns sorcerer. We posted several questions to our followers and to us to discuss, so let's dive right in. Did you like the book? I loved it. Which, going in, I don't think you thought you were going to like it. Well, no, because I had a whole lot of Space Wolves propaganda. And, uh, yeah, like, at the start, like, it was kind of just annoying me because I just finished reading A Thousand Suns. I was reading Prospera Burns. And, uh, you know, and I see uh, Nial's like, cyberbird, and I was like, what the hell? You can have this psychic manifestation of a bird, and that's totes cool, but what the Thousand Suns did... That's not okay. I'm not talking about the tutelaries because those are obviously little demons. I was gonna say it's no. entirely different. No, One's a wind-up no. toy you control. No, not the tutelaries. That's not what I'm talking about. But there was like a lot of as uh, warpcraft that they were doing, but it's totes not warpcraft. It's rune manipulation. It just the hypoc- the hypocrisy of it all was just really getting to me. That and you know, um, a lot of the obvious, the uh, misinformation that they had. And yes, I do know that this is right after uh, the whole Curse of the Wolfen uh, arc uh, with the, with the uh, Warhammer 40k campaign where Magnus came in and was just like, you guys think you can come in and destroy my planet? Well, here you go. And they were all recovering from that. So there's a little bitterness, which I totally get. I can understand why they're a little bitterness. But I got really tired of the, you know, Magnus's spite. And we did everything right. And the whole time I'm just like, no, you really didn't. And you, you were supposed to, even if you were supposed to kill the Legion, you still weren't supposed to go and just wipe out the planet. Like, this, there's a big problem with this here so I had a really hard time and it really wasn't until Issachar kind of latched on that things started getting better and uh, I think it's just because we as you texted me one night he's just a big old pile of sassy (laughs) like everything he would say is like well dude I don't want to be here either but I'm trapped so you have to like free me (laughs) very much so um, so on the other hand, I went into this book really excited about it because I really like the Space Wolves and I did not like this book. I, so I think I liked the, like the first two thirds of the book, but then all of a sudden I remember, I think I put my, um, I updated the page I was on in Goodreads and it was like, you're 70 something percent through. And I was like, wait a minute, how are they going to wrap up this book in so I was, I figured that Goodreads was wrong or that maybe there was something going on with my e-reader and no, <laughs> no, 
he hit the wrap it up button. <laughs> so I really didn't like it. And there were three things which, since I write the questions, um, will definitely play into why I didn't like it. Um, but so what parts really stood out for you? Uh, there was quite a few. There were so many. I felt like I uh, highlighted a lot in this book. Yes. So, um, all right, I'm going to go. So the one that really about, like, I was like, I was drinking coffee at the time and it about caught in my throat and not because it was funny, but because it was so dang true is when they were on Prosperous on page 193. Mm -hmm. And it's when, um, Basically, Nial is telling Isakar, he's like, these are your people. These are your cultists. Like, this is your fault. Like, I don't know what you're getting so, you know, I don't know why you're so surprised. all your fault. And Isakar said, you take cruel delight in heaping insult upon misery, Fenrisian. A better man would mourn the loss of the Thousand Sons' wisdom, not relish it. Which is true. It's like, let's mourn the loss of a culture instead of just, you know, driving in that screw. It's like, yep, your fault your fault you guys suck well so and i i liked that part too because i think there was so earlier in the book the first thing that i highlighted and was like whoa is when he was talking about magnus and he's like yeah magnus sold out your legion to the demons and Issachar is like no magnus was the most noble of us magnus would never do that sorry dude and because Issachar and We'll talk more about this in a second, but because they had this back and forth rivalry with Issachar being like, no, we're perfect. You guys were so misinformed. We would never do anything bad. I think Nyal is like, you need to see the truth. This is the reality. This is the reality of the Thousand Sons. You don't understand because there was so much denial earlier. And yes, it was, it was a moment of cruelty on Nyal's part, but you could also understand it. You could understand where Issachar was coming from and you could also understand where Nyal was coming from. His whole planet just was got pretty much not, I can't say destroyed because that's a little insensitive being on Prospero and all, but I mean, Magnus just dealt them a hell of a blow. As you said, that wound is still very, very fresh. And here's this thousand sons guy being like, no, we were an honorable legion. We would never. I also got to so. cut him some slack. He's thought just, you know, couple of days have passed and it's been 10,000 years oh my so he God. has like no idea it's like when he even like you know when he sees the cultists colors he's like what is that doesn't make any sense like that's your legions like nah that's not our colors and it's really at that moment when y'all not y'all but Issachar finally says I can't deny what I'm seeing anymore but I can't blame him for also being like no we did everything fine because I strongly believe that uh, Issachar was with this faction that was truly studying the, for the good. They weren't actively, you know, seeking out demons and all that. As far as he knew, it was all on the up and up and that they were being invaded for no reason. Um, so that's what you know he's held on to for the last 10,000 years. Well, part of me also wondered, and I know that the Thousand Sons were rife with avian-themed cults, but he was part of the Raptore, right? Right. This cult, and... If you know your Warhammer 40k, you know that the Blood Ravens were descended from one of those avian cults, and they're a loyalist legion who still wears the red. Now, that's, you know, like, hidden from them in their history, as, again, to use one of my favorite lines from Monsters vs. Aliens, when he's talking about, this is a conspiracy, deep fried. Yeah, exactly. It's that. 
so but part of me i was like oh gosh you know what i'm not gonna lie you guys i really was hoping like at the end he could just like get back in his armor and then just like go join the blood ravens and be like brothers it's it's been a spell <laughs> i got lost in the warp anywho i'm back um, i was really hoping even though i know there's no happy endings in warhammer 40k I mean, sometimes there are, but not like, not like really happy. It's like, oh, I guess that was the best outcome that could happen there. Um, but I liked that. I thought that was kind of neat that he mm -hmm. was part of this cult. And yeah, I was so worried from the get-go. I was worried that they were going to get to Prospero and he was going to be like, ha ha, this was all a ruse. And we would be like, God damn it. So I oh, that would have really sucked. Liked, oh, I would have been so angry. So I actually really like that he totally was on the up and up. He, it's like, I just want my body back, okay? Like, I just mm -hmm. want to, I want to leave your head. Like, this is cool. And he wants to know what, what has happened in the last 10,000 years. And I think it's funny when he talked about uh, that, I think when they were all talking and they're kind of catching everybody up over the last yeah. 10,000 years. Previously. And they're, like, they're like, well, you know, Fulgrim fell. And, and I think it was the uh, Space Wolf who's like, well, that's not as surprising. Right? <laughs> They were just like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, the thing that the two things that I really liked about that scene were, first off, the revelation that oh yeah, you know, Horus betrayed the Warmaster, and uh, Bolvi is just like, what? Like he can't even. And I think Nyal says like he had never seen such shock and concern on a space marine ever, right? Just this like, oh my god. And then I did like how Bjorn gets up there and like starts talking in old Fringrigian to him to explain the situation. Mm -hmm. And when the guy looks at Nyell and he's like, one of our blood claws is your most venerable warrior. <laughs> How the tables have turned. I thought that was delightful. <laughs> so, but I, Bjorn has always been one of my favorite figures in Warhammer 40k, like a, a, across all of Warhammer 40k. He's one of my favorite figures. So as soon as he was like, I'm coming. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I had a total fangirl moment. I finished reading Prospero Burns today, actually. Right. And so I got to find who, because I kept like, where is Bjorn? I, I know he's got to be a big part in this. Of course, you find out at the very end that the guy Bear, who shot down, um, what's his name? Casper, all those years ago, was Bjorn. But you just never knew his name because he just kept no. going by Bear. And he explains why that, that happened, why he kept calling him um, Bear. But it was at that point, and I realized, like, oh, you know what? He saw some shit on Prospero. Yeah. So I understand yeah. why he didn't initially want to go back. But he was like, I have no desire to go back there. And I liked that, too. I liked that when he goes to Bjorn, he's like, do you want to go back to Prosper Prospero? He's like, no. Hell No. There's nothing there for us. So I I liked that. I thought that was a really nice touch. Um, so one of the things that was interesting, I think this is going to be probably the bulk of our conversation, is that Nyal and Issachar, they represent two schools of powerful Warcraft. So how does that kind of compare and contrast? Uh, it compares a lot. Like uh, I wrote down here, because at one point, Nial used lightning powers, which I nearly threw my book in the air because that was one of the things that I'm going to say his name is Othair because I don't know how to pronounce his name. That Othair, uh, weird make, 
cited against Magnus. Like, they were using lightning powers. They shouldn't be able to do that. And then, oh, here's Neil doing that. I was like, fucking hypocrites. And because I had this all very fresh in my mind. So Mm -hmm. it kind of really affected a lot of, of... of how I read this. But another thing I noticed was that the big differences between them, like they harness, they use the warp almost the same way of how they harness it is completely different. Yes. And uh, I would have to say that because the space wolves, I think they fear it. They fear it. So therefore they don't try to learn anymore. And there's one thing that really was a big thing and Prospero Burns was the theme of you can know too much. Absolutely. And so they were kind of like a big uh, chapter with a lot of secrets because they didn't, you only need to know what you need to know. And we get to decide who, who gets to know that. Whereas the Thousand Sons were like, everybody should know everything. We're all here to be teachers. And because Issachar, I would say, actually knows more about Warpcraft than Nial. I just remember that one scene where Nial, I remember what he does, but it kind of goes like little nuts. He's like, I got it. I got it. And as the car goes, you call that control? <laughs> like, do you know what you're doing, man? And even Nial, when Isakar takes over his body, the way uh, Isakar is able to harness the warp, he's like, this is completely different. And he has a much, much better control over what he's doing than I do because he's still deeper. But then he immediately goes back to, but I can't go that deep. Right. And I think that was, so you talk about the hypocrisy of it and yes, a little bit. <laughs> so I think one of the things is that it, I, same scene when he talks about Issachar taking over his body to open that portal and he talk he describes Issachar opening himself into the warp and like sending out pieces of himself. And it's what well, he knows that he has control over it, but it's this much more reckless abandon of just join the warp. This is all fine. Whereas the space wolves know it's dangerous. They know that the warp is not something to take lightly. And so they are very reserved with that power. And again, a lot of, and this is, I thought this was a really nice touch is that, so if you remember in Talon of Horus, when um, Iskander Kane is talking about Geyer, he says, he's like, yeah, so we didn't understand they were demons, our tutelaries who were helping us all this stuff. We didn't quite understand that yet. Uh, that's totally what they were so the majority the lion's share you could almost argue the thousand sun knowledge comes directly from demons Mm -hmm. whereas the uh the space wolves are more stumbling into it and finding and testing limits and once they find that limit they're good to go no further because they don't want to invite that presence in again and i know that we make a lot of comparisons to dragon age in this podcast about magic but i can't help but think this dragon age didn't take a few notes from this oh i've been thinking that for a while yeah especially especially when you really start to think about the comparisons between the way that they treat magic you're like oh this bears more than a striking resemblance um it's that difference between like the taventer right who are just like all magic all the time a little bit of blood magic that's totally fine and the Orlesians and the fenrisians who are like no (laughs) no just don't even touch it because it's dangerous so but it's interesting to see that difference, right? And to mm-hmm. see them. One of the things that struck me throughout this whole thing, and especially it feels it feels most palpable when they're on Prospero. So one of my all-time favorite movies is a movie called Heat, 
And there's the scene in Heat, which it's regarded as being one of the best scenes from a movie in the 90s, in which Al Pacino, who is a cop, is hunting Robert De Niro, who's a thief, and they meet in a coffee shop to have a cup of coffee. And it begins as a very adversarial relationship. And then slowly but surely, as they start talking to one another, they never really warm up to one another, kind of like Mial and Issachar. Mm -hmm. But you get this very distinct feeling as they're talking to one another that in another time, in another place, these two probably would have been very good friends because they actually have a lot in common. And I started to feel that way towards the end. As you, as you can start to feel Mial start to trust Issachar a little bit more, that's all I could think of is I was like, you know, y'all probably would have been bros. Possibly. It's hard for, hard for me to say just because of, I think they almost had, I don't know if they would have, if he hadn't been trapped in his mind. And that's just because the thousand sons were like, no, everything is fine. And the space wolves were very much at that time. Like it is not, and you're wrong. And dad said, don't touch. And it's a big, you know, between the two of them, it's a big wall. Like neither one of them were willing to compromise. And one thing from reading A Thousand Sons, you know, when um, Weird Make was, uh, I thought, befriending Ariman, because Ariman even said, this is so much fun. Like we can learn how we access the warp and then teach mm -hmm. one another different ways. And this would be so great. And then when Weird Make was the one who got up on the stand first and was Go, you know, basically accusing them, Ariman felt betrayed. He's like, I thought we were friends. I thought this was all good. Like, I thought I could trust you with this. And and I think there's, you know, when you get this, no, we should know everything versus we should know nothing, which I think it goes back to the Dragon Age thing, Tevinter versus Orlay. Where Tevinter's like, everyone should know all this. This is just fine. And Orlay's like, nah, -uh, it all needs to be caged. So you're going to have... Right. Just it, and that's until you get two people who are willing to compromise, which is hard on both sides. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, so this is funny because you approach it from a thousand suns perspective and I approach it from the space wolves perspective, right? Which mm -hmm. to me, that scene with Weird Make and Araman, it always felt like if you came to me and were like, hey, I'm making extra money on the side. You want to come make extra money with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I show up and you're like, so here's the thing. I'm dealing meth holy shit no that's not okay i'm absolutely gonna go say that you can't be dealing meth that is not okay so to me Except i always look at comparison you would have to be dealing like some other sort of pharmaceuticals though because they're right. both doing the same thing true true um but again there's that you guys are delving so deep into this beyond what dad has said stop doing Dad said has stopped and you're like, eh, we're just gonna keep doing it because it's fine, it's totally fine. And I think I always had the impression that the Space Wolves kind of understood that the Thousand Suns were throwing caution to the wind. And we're just like, no, this is all fine. We're gonna know everything and it's gonna be great. That arrogance in them, I think of that, you can call it self-confidence, but just that arrogance of, no, no, we know what's best, dude. How do you know that? Which again was what I think what affected Ariman so much was that Weird Mech didn't even talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. They left thinking everything was fine. He's like, great, can't wait to hang out with you again. And 
And then Wainwright gets up there and basically, you know, tears them all apart. He says very, you know, not very nice things about them, you know, accuses them all these things. And I'm like, you did those things too. Maybe not to the extreme that they did, but come on, man, don't act like you're Mr. Innocent over there. Whereas, you know, kind of like what my kids do when, you know, I'm getting on about something and they're like, well, he did it too. It's like, I, dude, it doesn't matter how he starts it. Like, you guys have to figure out how to get along. And that's what I felt like with these two is like, you don't mm-hmm. agree with what they're doing? Talk. Why can't you just talk? Just talk it out, you know, and some of that goes to a little bit with Lehman Russ. He would just drop the brutal facade he had. Yeah, I mean, I witnessed it in Prospero Burns. It's a very kind, softer side, but he would never drop that to Magnus. It never. Well, how many of the brothers, right? Like, how many of the. Can you say that about the brothers? Like, I can't think of what book it was now, but there's a book in which. Oh, it's uh, The Unremembered Empire. When <laughs> Gulliman is trying to be nice to the lion, but the lion is, like, not sharing information with him, and Gulliman is like, why do you make this so hard? Why have you never talked with any of us? And the lion flat out says something along the lines of, we should have had this conversation two decades ago. Okay, buddy. Like acknowledging that none of us talk mm-hmm. and we don't communicate effectively. Which is but, just kind of part of why all this friction happened. Why the council, why the council of, of Nikkei happened. I think if that, if that was handled, of course, I blame the emperor for some of that too. I'm not sure he handled it very well. He needed to pull... Well, he needed to have pulled Magnus aside and actually let them talk instead of when Magnus was like, oh, my God, Dad. So, like, I found this, like, web portal on this planet and and um, it's so cool. Like, you got to see it. And what the Emperor said, like, oh, I already found it. I've already dealt with it. Don't worry about it. That's not how you handle that situation. You sit down and talk with them about, OK, yes, I did find it, but let's talk about the good and the bad with that. So, like, no, no, I did it. So you just you just stop. I'm not going to explain to There's- you. Yeah, but like you could fill like an entire podcast about where did the where did the emperor make some bad parenting decisions? <laughs> um, which I every now and then I'll think I actually do think about that when my daughter like wants to do something and I'm like, no, why? Cause and all of a sudden I'm like, this is how we get Magnus. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. It really it's true. And all of a sudden true. I'm like, Ugh. but then like you totally understand the emperor too because it's like if I tell you you're gonna get hurt, you're still gonna do it. He's no, I'm not. Anyway. <laughs> you have kids you know Um, we all have been there um so along those lines one of the things that really struck me about this book and it i was not prepared for this at all this book really reads like an obituary for the thousand sons it was there's a lot of time spent on what is now what was then and what could have been on prospero I don't, I think that's just the tale of the thousand sons. What could have been? It could absolutely. Especially if sure. you just finished reading Prospero Burns, when you find out about you know Casper being a plant by the the primordial annihilator, not Magnus, not Amon, not uh, Ariman, not Erebus. Who I that's what I thought it was going to be. It was going to be Erebus, not Horus. This is because he's the worst. Right, not Horus, but the prim- primordial annihilator is just like. I set this all up and this is great. They just, they were supposed to go and kill each other. This is all going to be, you know, amazing. Is seeing all that. And so it's, and as, 
Casper said, he's like, so they would have been loyal. And he goes, oh, undoubtedly they would have been loyal. And that's what the whole story of the A Thousand Sons is. What could have and should have been. I liked, I liked when they get there, how all of the space wolves are like, whoa, like you can see the, you can see the potential here. And there were some funny things like when the, um, when the craft goes flying over and everybody's like, what is that? And Isakar is like, you people have never seen a stormbird before? No, they haven't. And then like when they see the tank and I think it's Bullaby who's just like, yeah, wait till we show you our mastodon. Like, all the stuff and all Isikari's, this lost technology from ten thousand years. All this lost technology that they all that, again, and it's so I guess really in more ways than just being a about the thousand suns. It was kind of this obituary of just as a reminder, this is what was lost. Right. The, and you know, so that the, broke my heart. The pre-heresy times, okay, pre-Nikaea times, was mm-hmm. pretty awesome. We yeah. were all going along. It was pretty good. Yeah, things were going pretty well, and uh, and Erebus found religion. Um, but they, I liked, I loved how much they showed of that and how it wasn't, and it wasn't, so one of the things I've always really liked about Gav Thorpe's prose is that if he wasn't a technical writer at some point in his life, he is like, he has mastered, he has boss level self editing skills because his prose is so direct and to the point. It is very concise. He doesn't like when they're walking through Tizka and they're talking about the glass pyramids and how the glass is broken out and it's very hollow and you read it and you're like, oh, that's really sad and that's oh, terrible. But there's not like, it reminded y'all of summer days, of something of old earth perhaps, maybe this one time as a child. Like he doesn't, he doesn't lean into the descriptions where he's like, I've got to chew 20 pages here. Um, <laughs> he doesn't make this like a recipe blog. <laughs> One time when I was a child, I had a strawberry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you ever read recipes online, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my God. Pro yes, tip, but you just in, scroll to the bottom, all right? Just scroll to the bottom. <laughs> I There's a girl, I can't think of her name right now. I love her blog though. I have a bunch of her stuff. She actually has the click to skip my ramble. <laughs> I'm like, I will. Um, but I think especially coming off the heels of Devastation of Ball. Oh, that is true. Oh God. Oh God, if I had to read one more thing about the plush velvet. I was just an overkill of exposition and devastation of all. It was like Stephen King showed up. Yeah, this just like breezed through so quickly. I was like, okay, great. Broken pyramid. I can picture what the Luxor would look like after a bombing. Got it. Like, we got it. We're going through. Yes, the Vegas hotel, not the, anyways. Um, So that I really liked I like that he moves along so quickly and yet it still had the gravitas of that of you being like, oh, right. I don't have any of this stuff anymore. And I do like when Isakar is like, how is that possible? And y'all's basically like, have you met the Mechanicus? Like they guard their secrets so tightly. And it reminds you that, and especially I think it, what it reminded me of was in, um, oh shit, the really good book that we liked, um, Watchers of the Throne. When the when the mechanicus are trying to fix the throne and and he's watching him and he's like, I don't think they actually know what they're doing. <laughs> this is all just bullshit. <laughs> like it was just all these little things, these little subtle reminders about this new world that it's like. By the way, shit's shit's kind of fucked right now. Well, just it was also clear. I think it was also it was in this book 
where um, it's like Nial or somebody was, you know, kind of praying to the machine spirit. And his car's mm-hmm. like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, machine spirit, machine what? <laughs> From the old technology, they didn't, wasn't the whole thing about the machine spirit. Well, not only that, I did like, um, it was just a nice little turn of phrase when he says something like, oh my God, are demons going to come through this? And, um, and Izakar's like, explain. And so he kind of goes and he's like, you know, the stuff that lives in the warp is going to come through. And Izakar's like, demons. Right. Yes, maybe. But the way that he phrases it is he's like, he was still trying out the word. Right. Because that didn't right, exist. You have no idea. Yeah. I mean, because in no Horus, idea. on Horus Rising, when that demon did come out and Horus explained it to um, Euphrates, that that's, that that's what it was. Like, I mean, even now in the present 40K, you talk about if anyone sees a demon, the, inqu- the you know, Inquisition's just like, I think there was that one meme. It was like, yay, we saw demons and we lived. And the Inquisition's like, yes, but no. <laughs> yes, yes, but no, exactly. Because right, they try to like, hide that so much. And there's another yes. one of those many secrets, again, from the Horus Heresy that they tried to hide. So no, Issachar wouldn't have known that because if he died when he said the timetable when he did before magnus fell he mm-hmm. didn't witness the tutelaries turning on their masters and possessing their masters yeah which i mean if that's the last thing you see before you get stuck in the portal maze you just kind of be like wait what i the portal maze in general um and I'll talk about this more when we talk about our last question, but the portal maze in general, when they were describing it and they were describing how beautiful it was. And there was that moment when they got to the door of it and all of the space wolves were like, Whoa, like there was this beauty in Tisca. Mm-hmm. It was and that. It just, it made me sad reading it. And I don't even like the thousand suns that much, but reading it, I was like, Oh man, that really does suck. <laughs> Like, why did you guys have to be such arrogant assholes? Why did you have to trust the demons? It, uh, but there was something interesting about the whole, the fact that you have Magnus kind of showing, revealing himself, which again, we'll talk more about, but just coming back to this world, I liked and didn't like that it did kind of, a little bit feel like previously on Prospero. Like, is a reminder, I guess? I don't know. I guess maybe it was if you were reading, maybe if you read the whole thing about Magnus take, uh, killing most of Fenris and you being like, what a jerk. <laughs> they were like, maybe we should remind people how we got here. <clears throat> I wasn't well, sure how I felt about that. Well, I mean, but it's also, you know, because you've read, I mean, read the horse heresy books like a long time ago it's all common knowledge you used to read the codex the codices Mm -hmm. this is all common knowledge to you but i think that they did that just for anyone new coming in post rift totally totally it's been like what happened on prospero (laughs) right that was pretty lit the last time the space wolves were there hey that was my favorite um i do love that the review yes (laughs) (laughs) last time i was there um uh so one of the things that i thought was kind of interesting too that they talk about and this is also kind of that that um that obituary is when they're in the warp and they're traveling through the warp and they have the geller fields up and they have the navigator and 
Isakar is just like, if you people would have listened to us, none of this barbarity would be necessary. Okay, buddy. <laughs> like, good talk. I again, I think that was actually the scene in which I just texted you that I just stepped in a big pile of sassy. <laughs> Everything that comes out of the mouth is I love it and hate it at the same time. I'm like, that's really shitty, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> thousand sons and well and actually i think we had made that same comment when we were reading a talent of horus and black legion that iskander's he's pretty sassy they have i think it's just that chip on their shoulder but i think I that might that just too. happen you know when one day everything is just fine and the next thing you know there's space wolves and custodies <laughs> and silent sisters don't forget them right and just as you're trying to fight for survival suddenly magnus brings you all into the planet of sorcerers whether you wanted to be there or not oh so that was the other thing that broke my heart when all of those um thousand sun legionaries come out oh of they all the collapsed into dust <sighs> and it was so awful because you get to relive that pain yet again because this is a car is like what what is happening what is happening and of course and at first i was a little frustrated because Nyal was just like yeah it just happens to some of your guys then i remembered they have no idea what Araman did nobody does if you're not a thousand son you have no idea what Araman does you have no idea what the rubric is you just know that some of these guys are just walking suits of dust which which actually as i was reading that i was like wow that's i think that'd be a little bit more disturbing actually <laughs> like if you didn't know that there was an explanation for this some of these guys just collapse into dust. It just happens. I don't know. I think the space wolves might have been like, well, less people to kill. Right. Well, they're still, and the rubric marines are still a problem. But it was just, that killed me as I was reading it. I was like, oh, no pumpkin. Like, it's been a really long day for him. You have to discover that you're trapped in a space wolf. There, that everything that you guys have worked for has been basically forgotten. Your Primarch totally sold you out to the demons that you never thought that he would. Oh, and BT dubs, like half your friends at least are dust in suits. It's been a long day. So that part I was, oh, oh man. And, and you also learn later when they, when they meet up with the, uh, with the, the 13th, that this could have all been avoided if it wasn't for Horus, you know, just felt that whole thing. Cause even the space wolves, when they realize that like everyone gets very somber and then, you know, the modern day space wolves, they realize everything we've been told is not true so it's like a lot for both Issachar and Neil it was it that day was full of or it really was I know it was many days but it was full of everything we knew was a lie yes well so let's talk about that at long last Horus's treachery is revealed how did how did the scene play out for you and what does this mean for the space wolves the scene played out for me in that I guess I was just so shocked the Space Wolves of modern day don't know that happened because surely Lehman Russ learned it later. Oh, I'm sure, but do you think that's one of those things that you'd be like, well, this is a horrible shame. We should never talk about this again. <laughs> like, that was one of the things that I'm like, of course that would be covered up. Of course, that Except would never be talked about. that a certain Skald told this whole account of the treachery of the primordial annihilator 
in his final account when he was talking about Prospero Burns, like, you all know this story, but you don't know my story. And he goes into that whole thing of the big revelation that it was all, you know, a big mastermind for the Primordial Annihilator. And he brought them together and he tricked Horace into doing this and he tricked this and he tricked that. He told the whole account and yet somehow it just gets swept under the rug. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. He tells this whole account to a room of X number of space marines most of whom are dead now. So I'm sure that those guys probably leave that room and are like, this doesn't leave this room ever. Which is just an, And then an, as they die off, right? Right, right. But it just becomes like another problem, which is one thing, you know, that actually with this here, I think this is going to come out to the post-Drift world very well because this is the kind of stuff that Reboot Gulliman is trying to get out. He is trying to stop the Inquisition from being like, oh, no, you don't need to know that. Oh, you don't need to know that. He's like, no, this, you guys are not teaching history. You guys well, are... along those lines, though, I mean, does this now, so we've seen, and it's really funny to me, by the way, that we've read three books in the Space Marine Conquests. Two of them have two major, major Horus Heresy era revelations and deal with traitor legion characters who were actually loyalists. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, there's a lot of synchronicity here. Um, but now that they've got that out, if you recall when um, What's-Her-Face, the rogue trader who finds the original copy of Lorgar's book, when she brings it back to Magnus, he's like, did you know that my brother wrote that book? And you she's mean like, Reboot. Uh, when uh, she's like, yeah, uh, I, I know now. I know now that our religion is now all based on a traitor, Primark. Um when they reveal that in apocalypse right you're like oh, shit this is now like more people who are gonna have to talk about this so i feel as though that like that that story ends with a giant bullseye from the inquisition and this story ends with a giant bullseye from the inquisition now on the poor space wolves who i think have already gotten kicked a little bit right because they got kicked from not just magnus but the gray knights and the dark angels who nobody invited the dark angels but that's the story of the Dark Angels. Nobody invited you guys. You just showed up to kill shit and keep secrets. Yeah, no, I liked... That was a really nice little touch in the beginning, by the way, when Arjak is hunting that worm and he's like, please don't be a demon. Please don't be a demon. I don't want to have to kill all these villagers. Right. I was like, I was like oh, that's a shame. But yeah, I feel as though this book ends... Although, so for me, I didn't like this scene because it it just i felt like they're just, like they have the revelation right with the one guy being like or i think it's jurgen is like dude horace is the one who sent us on this mission okay mm -hmm. and everybody around him's just kind of like cool story bro oh i didn't get i didn't get that impression at all uh it just felt so it felt flat to me and i think it's because it happens like in the last five pages of, or like last 10 pages of the book and they're just like, oh yeah, BT dubs. This is the thing. Moving on. I, it didn't have, like, again, in Apocalypse, when they reveal that, hey, not only are you using Lorgar's Bible, everything else that's come after that has been directly from Lorgar. Because of the way they paste it, you're like, oh shit. And then when they reveal how it is, it, it's just like this gut punch of oh my god and this just didn't have that for me you know why i think it did it didn't though mm. because that thing 
an apocalypse with the uh, word bearer dreadnought Ooh. we did not see coming. We already knew Horus was behind this. That could be, but I think it was, I think it's the reactions of everyone around it happening. So, because we've known that the religion, the imperial religion is based off of Lorgar's Bible. We've known that for years. But that we didn't know that. Oh, no, for sure. Still being written. Yeah, no, for sure. We didn't know that part of it. And that's a big revelation. But again, and I think it was just because of the way that everyone else reacts to it. Like, oh, no. And the fact that they've actively been trying to keep this as a secret. To your point, we have to fill in a lot of stuff for how does nobody know that this was Horus? Oh, okay. No, I can try. I can start to figure out that yeah, these people are probably like, we're never talking about this again. You can start to piece it together. To me, it was just kind of... See, I, I didn't get thought. that impression at all. I, I, I could tell that it hit me all very hard. And for me, that scene was a big thing because, I mean, even Issachar was just like, what? So we yeah. were all destroyed for for what? And it really hit in a way as like, okay, okay, now, now with all of this, with Issachar there, we can start the healing process. And that's what it was for me until Issachar stayed behind. Jesus Christ, that's issue number two that I hated, and I'm sorry. I Okay, little backstory. I spent three days driving between 10 different hockey games and four different rinks. I was what you might call a little tired this weekend. I'm finishing up the book. I get to that scene, and I'm like, I think I misread this. So I went all the way back, and I read to it. Holy shit. It, okay, I've got my, again. I want to make it very clear. I understood that they weren't going to ride off into the sunset and that despite all of my hopes and dreams, Issachar was not going to go join the Blood Ravens. I understood that. But the fact that he's basically like, okay, I'm going to get you guys back there and then I'm going to stay here and go find some more of my people. Peace. That's it? Okay. The only thing I could think of is that, you know, when he does, when he is able to find everyone else that's lost in the portal maze, and he finds out if they're rubriquet or, or what and gets like more real people out. Not that they're going to join the Blood Ravens, but then, you know, maybe they can go back to the Space Wolves and be like, okay, this, we need to heal. We need to use this time to heal. Maybe. Except, except 10,000 years later, Magnus is still trying to get to Terra more faster. So magnus okay so but that i don't understand isn't he a, a demon prince now like why can't he just go so i'm gonna make a quick rant about that in one second but so in the very beginning when he starts describing when Isakar is describing the portal maze and this is how it works and blah 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 my first thought is i was like oh shit why isn't magnus using that like i feel like that would be a thing that magnus would still want to have so in the very end when they're like oh Magnus could use this. I was like, no shit. Why isn't he using this? That. So here is the part that made me want to throw the book across the room. And I got really angry. I hate Lucas the trickster as a character. I've never read the Josh Reynolds book. And after Apocalypse and the Cal Jericho book, I have 100% faith in Josh Reynolds that he makes Lucas the trickster tolerable. I really don't like him as a character that whole scene with him and Magnus 
liked to have broke my pa my pad over my leg. I don't want to say that he trots out the oldest trick in the book because he didn't tell Magnus that his shoes were untied. But if you had the book of old tricks, the this worthless object is something valuable you care about is probably chapter three or four. Oh, he is called the trickster. Never said it was good tricks. Okay, and Magnus is the demon primarch of the Lord of Schemes. Like Zinch has like schemes upon schemes upon schemes. So now on one hand, you can argue that Magnus is like, what do I give a shit? Like, okay, oh good, you pulled a fast one on me. I don't give a shit. I'm a fucking demon primarch. And I think at one point he makes a comment where he's basically like, I've got nothing but time. Right. Right. But it just felt so lame. And it made Magnus feel lame. This is the guy who just tried to raise Fenris and laid waste to it. He is this horrible, scary thing. For me, of all of the demon Primarchs, he probably scares me the most. And again, because of that scene in Prospero Burns, Zinch is a tricky one and you don't see him coming. It's not like diseases that you can see or, or war that you can see. He's clever and crafty and he falls to this fucking guy or he falls for something stupid for this dude. Oh my God, I got to the end of that scene and I was like, holy crap. So I went and I got my husband and I read it to him and I get to the end and he was like, what the hell? Or maybe it was one of those, you know, I don't know, because he is a demon now. He always was the smartest guy in the room. Now he's got demon arrogance. He's always the smartest guy in the it room. Could it could be, I guess. I just hated that scene so badly. And it's not emasculate isn't the word I'm looking for, but I'm looking for something like with that same negative connotation. I would just like was like, God, Magnus is a joke. If this fucking guy pulls one over on him, and again, in not a clever manner, it all just, I, I hate Lucas the Trickster in this book. So the re we started reading this book and I saw him show up. I was like, oh good, maybe he'll die on Prospero. Not only does he not die, he comes out like the main hero because he pulled one over on Magnus. <laughs> Guys, I really struggled with this. Thank you for coming for my TED talk. This is my first time meeting Lucas the Trickster. And? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I hate this guy. And you're like, eh, he's a guy. I mean, it's he, totally fair. he just came, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess in a way, I've read so many books that are kind of like him. Like when he tries to look back at um Nial and give him like a serious look like I'm with you on this and instead he like smirks turns back around and he's just like damn it what's wrong with me like he just you know can't control himself and I guess in a lot of ways I saw my eldest son in him because he does the same things a lot of the time um so, and I think he also, he did want to kind of train these young ones in his own way. Maybe not the best way, but he just seems like a guy who's ready to buck tradition. And to be totally honest, after reading these last two Horace Heresy novels, I am cool with this tradition being overthrown. I think they're really stuck in their ways. And I... Yeah, but he's not necessarily trying to break them of that. He's just an asshole. He's one of those guys who, if he was on Twitter, he his little bio would be like, when I see rules, I got to break them. 
<laughs> that would be his Twitter bio. I'm just saying. He'd be that guy. Like, I, there's nothing I can uh, say that's going to make you understand, like, how I feel about him. And I'm not oh. going to change you and how and how <laughs> you feel. It's just if that character rugs, rugs were on you, then he he's just going to rub raw. We all have those characters. He does. But to your... So before my little rant here, to your point... On one hand, I was like, yeah, no shit, he's going to use that portal vase. But then part of me was like, wait, why hasn't he been using it? It's not just because Bullvi's in it. I wonder if it's, um, and it might be because he's still in it. I mean, it maybe that's be. why all those cultists were there, trying to get the doors open. Well, right. I don't know why Magnus couldn't get them open, to be honest. I mean, if he helped build the things. I mean, but... to be to be perfectly fair, I know that oh, he's been trapped in the warp and the rift has let him out and all this stuff, yeah. Okay, I know the official party line. But there is... I don't know. It always makes me... Yeah. It just makes Magnus kind of feel like again, not that effective of a scary, scary villain. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like, Fulgrim... Fulgrim's well, we off. can't all be Karn. <laughs> That's true. Because um, I don't even think Mortarian is that scary, to be totally honest. I think he's very petty. Well, yeah. <laughs> you just say that because his stepfather's soul is in a jar on his mantle. That's just one of the many reasons why I think he's he's just, he's petty. Fair. Typhon Fair. or Typhus. Is he Typhus now? Typhus. Yeah, the disease. He's the disease yeah. now. I was going to say. <laughs> yes. So Typhus, he's petty. <laughs> they all are. Um, all just man children throwing their toys around the room. Ah, Daddy didn't love us, but these guys do. Kind I, of, I, I don't know. know what to say about Fulgrim. Because he hasn't really been around since slicing open Reboot's and neck. No, and Fulgrim, if the Horus Heresy taught us nothing, just dangle a shiny object in front of him and go, ooh, pretty. Like... The guy can't keep focused for anything because he's too busy just being like, I do what I want. <laughs> Angron. A whole lot of people be dying for corn. So, you know, Angron, you do you, buddy. But yeah, Magnus, I, I don't know. I guess this book kind of reminded me that I was like, oh, yeah. What have you guys been doing for 10,000 years? Tea parties. I can just picture that. I'm trying to imagine Fulgrim and Magnus at tea. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine? No. So, but, I don't know, that just, that also kind of felt like, oh, he's trying to get to Terra faster. This again. Like, all I could think of was, have I ever told you the definition of insanity? <laughs> oh god. Bless his heart. But, but he's a He's a demon. Can't he just appear? <laughs> I mean, again, I get the party line that they were stuck in the eye of terror, but now that the rift is open, the rift now is they open now. Out. And I was just like, "What's up?" Like, yeah, like the rift was right there. There was demons running the streets, and um, a changer of, the of ways shows up. Huh? A changer of ways shows up at mm -hmm. one point in this. Yeah, Lord of Change, which you're like, oh, okay, no, <laughs> this is real shit, which. Again, I'm sure this is going to end up being like one of those Xanatos gambits where, you know, they can be like, oh, this is exactly what he wanted to have happen. Okay. 
But yes, now that you guys are out, what the actual shit outside of the Black Library itself could actually be on Prospero that would be that important to you right now? The portal. You created your, I know the portal maze, but they established in Watchers of the Throne that they have maps of the webway and the warp currents. I guess I didn't walk away from the book. Like, I, I remember, again, reading it. I was like, yeah, no shit, he could be using this thing. But I didn't walk away thinking, oh, he needs that. I didn't walk away thinking that either. But knowing Magnus and Bush, you know, just reading what I've been reading of his. And, They're BFFs. And knowing um, how he's obviously changed. Ha! I didn't think about that, but yes, how, how he's uh, how he's changed and where he's going. I almost wonder if this is a matter of pride for him. Oh, he I started this portal maze. It. He's going to finish it. My God, one way or another. That would make complete sense because what's his first action upon getting out of the Eye of Terror? Terror. He goes and fucks up Fenris, which, to your point, it feels so petty. Like you've dealt this huge blow to the space wolves, and that is I don't wanna I don't wanna make light of that. That's a big deal. But I mean the Dark Angels were kind of already doing some of your work for you, and time has done a lot of work for you, and it Well, just but then again, he he doesn't know how long he's been gone. You know, kinda of like uh Iskander when they're like, How long have we been here i mean i know that this i know that that the black legion that stuff takes place year like you know centuries before uh the rift opens but still it's one of those things like they don't know how long they've been there i mean like magnus even said i have all the time in the world he has no yeah. idea how long it's been for as no. far as he knows it could have just been like a few weeks and be like you know what i'm i'm, I'm pissed now that i'm out oh lordy here it goes you guys right. are finally, you know, I'm finally getting some vengeance. But again, I feel like maybe as your patron god, Zinch could be like, okay, no, I need you to focus. It's been 10,000 years. You need to do something for me. I don't think right? Z- like, do you think Zinch cares that much? I, I do a little bit. Because, and they touch on this a lot in Plague War. If you remember, they talk a lot about grandfather Nurgle's designs and his plans and the reason they hint a lot at like the reason that Mortarion is still the champion and the favored one is because he's getting shit done towards Mortar- to Nurgle's ending now maybe that's unique to Nurgle maybe Nurgle is just like I've got a plan and I'm going on and I'm doing this thing right Corn Corn just cares about the skulls on his throne I mean listen. yeah he does not care from whence the blood comes so long as it flows so he does he has a, a plan, like, he has like 7% of a plan. I don't think that Fulgrim, I don't think Slanesh has a plan either. No, no, Slanesh, other than, like, destroy all the Eldar. Well, you That's know. about as far as he's gotten. When you but, partied so hard, you create a god. <laughs> you think that they would be, like, really indebted to him. Like, he would be indebted to them. Or she, whatever guys you choose for Slanesh, uh, would be really indebted to the Eldar. Thanks for murder fucking me into existence. <laughs> it true. But Zinch, I, I feel just... as though I just I can't I can just imagine Zinch being like really the space wolves, unless that does further serve his purposes. And he's like, Yep, 
go on, go do the thing. I just, I guess I, get, I guess what I'm saying is I don't feel, I don't feel like the Chaos Gods are giving them a lot of guidance, which is, I guess, kind of like the Emperor. Also, is, he gonna listen, is he going to listen to anybody, to be honest? No. I mean, he's always been the smartest person in the room. True. He's smarter than Zinch. Has to be. Pretty much. He's the one in control. Right. You could definitely see he would be the guy who, no, 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 I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> sure, buddy. Sure, Marsha. As he takes another vape hit. <laughs> exactly. Uh. Let that be known. Magnus is the vapor primark. Um, you know, it terrible. wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't. So we've already kind of talked about it a little bit, but like, how how do you feel about the ending of this overall? We have Issachar staying in the portal maze. Sad. The revelation of Horus's treachery. Good. Mag. <laughs> Mag. Sorry. <laughs> so literal. <laughs> Magnus, uh, Magnus trying to get to the portal maze and getting tricked by um, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, I I guess, where do the space wolves go from here? How does this set them up? Because I think that at the end of, um, at the end of Devastation of Ball, despite my distaste for that book, it effectively sets up the next chapter for the Blood Angels. You get to the end and you're like, okay, I get it. I see what's going forward here. How does this set up the Space Wolves? I think what this does is it doesn't set up the Space Wolves. The Curse of the Wolfen set up the Space Wolves. This just kind of almost closes that one little piece of it for them to move on. And that moving on is knowing the truth behind Prospero. Well, and also... I did feel like this book was effectively effectively the Black Library saying, Russ isn't coming back yet. Stop asking. Because that's the first thing that they start, right? Because if you remember, Russ was going to come back for the end fight, which I did like. I did like y'all being like, the good news is we're not at the end fight yet. Bless your heart, pumpkin. But, you know, remember he was like, you've got to look for signs of the, the Wolf King. No signs of him. So I felt as though this ends like, okay, here's a truth about your legion that you guys need to deal with. Interprimark's not coming back yet. Right. I mean, as it was part of it, you know, reuniting the 13th. And I think bringing more of their comrades home from, from the 13th, at least these aren't wolfen like, like the others. True. Um, and, you know, maybe bringing them with the wolfen to just kind of piece together, even though these two things happened centuries apart from one another because uh, they've been trapped down in there since prospero well nothing else uh the lehman didn't just be like well i'll come back and i finished the fight that was centuries and centuries later uh just just bringing more pieces or this could just be yet another piece to get him back as we're bringing back all of those missing legions mm-hmm. from not legions but companies and chapters from the the uh horus heresy right and it's it's interesting especially with gulliman back so you have gulliman back who's obviously from the heresy and now they're bringing forth another group of people who were there at the heresy so one of the big 
things, the big themes, we've talked about that a lot in here is just how secretive the Imperium is and how much knowledge has been lost and how much knowledge has been suppressed and how much knowledge they don't share. And then you have Gulliman come back and Gulliman, his big thing has been, I am trying to set this shit straight. And now you have another group of characters who can come forth and be like, we can help bolster his claims to setting this shit straight. Exactly. We know we were there. So, which is interesting. Which is why I wanted Isakar to, to stay. Please, God. You know, just like, at that least... That was a bitter disappointment to me. At least bring him to to Reboot. Because mm-hmm. one thing, I, you know, one thing we'll say about Reboot is that he's willing to talk. He went to talk yeah. to Mortarian for, for fuck's sake. I mean, he is open for diplomacy on all levels. I even think if he saw Fulgrim again, he'd be like, well, before we get out the knives, can we just just chat for just a minute i i don't think that's true oh uh, uh, i i he he always has seen it but maybe it's because you know who his father was and how he was raised because they i mean because one thing when i got to meet graham mcneil a few weeks ago one thing that he talked about uh but the big differences with all of the primarchs was in how they were raised and he said the yes. reason why he said what he believes the reason why reboot came back first he said because reboot had the perfect childhood the perfect he rearing he, he is was really, the perfect son he was really more the perfect son than horace was because he knows he knows how to handle war he knows diplomacy he knows how to handle politics like he's like there's no better person to be like the emperor's second in command so he may not be the best like war master but he's you know he would have been you know the next malkador or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, so with that, you know, I think he would, in a way, he had time he's going to try to kill Mortarian, but then what does he do? He talks with them first before he before he brings out his father's sword. And I, th- I think it's just some part of him, and something I've seen in some of these Primarch books, and when he appears in the Horace Heritage novels, is that he doesn't understand why they all don't get along. Right. Why they can't all be brothers, and everything be cool. Right. I So I guess I was thinking of, I can't think of the name of the book, but there's the book where the word bearers are attacking Ultramar and uh, Reboot gives the most badass speech ever where he's just like, I rescind any offer of quarter for you or your dogs. I will kill all of you. I will wipe you off the face of this universe. He gives this just no weird there's no more words to be had here mm-hmm. speech and it's amazing and but yeah he does try to talk to mortarian but i think it's because i think despite everything he still kind of remembers the mortarian who stood at nikea and said this is all terrible we should not use the war mm-hmm. like i think he's still i guess there is an odd sense of optimism in him and now it'll be interesting to see now that we have again space wolves coming back who were like yeah everything this guy says is 100% accurate we were there but they'll have to have a translator because they'll be speaking it with Marishian. so that's gonna make it a little awkward but we, reboot might speak it you know? probably probably he's a primarch for god's sake and he was somewhat he wasn't close with Russ, but you know he knew him talked to them um i I think it's going to be, I think it's interesting, especially now that 
now that the rift is open and Cadia has fallen, it's going to be, and we've said this before, it's going to be harder and harder and harder to keep out or to keep suppressed this story that various bureaucrats have crafted. And now we're going to have, so you have this truth facing them and then you're going to have this truth on their side too. I thought that set it up pretty, I thought this book set that up pretty well. I guess I just got to the end of this book and was like, oh, that was it. That's all we're setting up. I, it just didn't have that impact for me, which I think we are. I think when we were talking about uh, Spear of the Emperor, when I was like, oh my gosh, this hit me. And you were like, Neh. yeah, I, I can see that. It's kind of being like a, a, a flip flop. Yeah. For me. But our next book that we're reading, speaking of Gulliman, we're going back to Carrie's beloved Ultramarines. Mm -hmm. I love these covers, by the way, Black Library. Yes. If anybody in the Black Library is listening, please keep doing these. It's the matte back and then the shiny people. Mm -hmm. Shiny people. Like yeah. It's just, just like their hardcovers. I did have to say, though, well. I never did imagine he, Cato Sicarius, with like a beard and mustache and mutton top stuff. I keep seeing Chris Evans from the beginning of Infinity War. Oh my God, you're right. Which actually makes it kind of delightful. <laughs> so every time I pick up the book, I'm like, oh, Chris Evans, it's Captain America, which actually kind of works suits <laughs> I don't know if somebody did that intentionally, whoever did the art for this cover, but top marks. Is this another long one? Uh, or is this it just is. thick paper? I think it's a oh, it's just thick paper. <laughs> that's 360 pages. Oh. Okay, well then that's that's not bad. That's not bad. I'm actually really excited, though, because, again, I have always liked Kato Sakarius. Jokes aside, I really always have appreciated Kato Sakarius. He's kind of what you would want in a captain. Um, I'm really excited to delve into this one. So be sure to, we have, uh, we have links to post this one. This one, <laughs> This marks the triumphant return to us offering a book that is on audio for our audio fans. I know the last two or three that we've read haven't really? been on audio. Uh, Honor, neither Honorbound nor Ashes of Prospero. And I can't remember if Devastation of Ball. I know Devastation of Ball is. Okay, so then the last two that we've read haven't been available. Mm -hmm. So the next two that we're reading are because we're reading this and then we're reading Belisarius Call. So, yay. Which I know a lot of people have been asking, when are we going to do that? It's on My the list. My husband is like threatening to start spoiling it for me. Because he was like, this is so good. Why aren't you reading it now? Because he, Cato Sicarius, demands that we read him. And his book actually came out first. Yeah, sorry. First. Get in line, Bell. He'll be there. Belisarius will be there for us always. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. He hasn't gone anywhere, like, last, guys. He hasn't gone anywhere in the last 10,000 years. <laughs> like these guys who get adrift in the warp which sounds like that wouldn't be really fun sounds like the stuff of nightmares <clears throat> literally someone should write a book about that mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to take us out carrie i sure will so you have listened to the warhammer 40k book club episode regarding ashes of prospero by gav thorpe be sure to join us for our next book where we finally learn what horrors he kato sicarius saw in the warp and knights in mccrag by nick kind we are an official we are an unofficial not official unofficial book club 
and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website at wh40kbookclub.com. If you liked the episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Our site also has articles about our adventures in reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books, like Jen is reading um, David Annadale's latest uh, horror novel, for example. And of course, we always have our ongoing uh, Primark pilgrimage as we are getting through the current Primark novels that are that are out. So please stay a while and read from a crag. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>